0: Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Mother Daughter Team, Dr. Gloria, and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our guest, as you said, is Bonnie Carroll, and we are going to talk today about grief, loss, hope, and healing. Bonnie is a lifeline for grieving families. After her husband, Brigadier General Tom Carroll, died in a plane crash in 1992, Bonnie was shocked by the lack of support widows received. As a result, in 1994, she founded TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, with 5,000 trained volunteers, a crisis hotline, mentoring programs, and grief camps. To date, TAPS has assisted 25,000 people. We are fortunate to have Bonnie as one of our Open to Hope writers. And on Tuesday, November 24th, which is tomorrow, Oprah and People Magazine will salute heroes across America. Bonnie will be one of the heroes that's featured. Please watch Oprah tomorrow at 4. I'm going to hold something up right here. I was actually getting my hair cut yesterday, and I was just thumbing through People Magazine, catching up. And there's Bonnie. There is Bonnie and her photo, and it says 2009 Heroes Among Us Award Best Friend a lifeline for grieving, care, for grieving families. Welcome to the show, Bonnie.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Heidi and Gloria, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you.
2: It's great to have you on. Now, now Bonnie, you're a military
1: person too, right? Yes, I am. I, I am a reservist in the United States Air Force. My, uh, my husband, however, was uh, killed while serving in the United States Army.
2: Mm-hmm. Tell, tell our audience a little bit about him and and what happened. And you had children and tell us about your family.
1: Well, at the time uh, my husband was killed, our uh, our three kids were teenagers, mm-hmm. and uh, that that certainly presented its own challenges. And it it happened right before Thanksgiving. It was an Army C12 crash with a total of eight soldiers on board. So there were eight families heading into Thanksgiving. uh, a very tough burden to bear.
2: Wow. Eight families. And you were surprised by the lack of support uh, for families in the military, weren't you? Well, at
1: at that point, back in the early 90s, there was no national peer-based support program for all of us suffering a loss of a loved one serving in the armed forces. In uh, in my background, I had worked with, with other organizations and was familiar with the types of services that were possible so it, uh, it, it was a natural thing just to uh, start this for the military, and today it's grown to be a major national organization with over 25,000 families all around the country standing ready to help each other heal. How great. And you and you have a website? Our website is caps.org, and our toll-free number that's answered 24-7 is 800-959-TAPS.
2: So Bonnie, tell us a little bit about that first year for our folks out there. Uh, how did you get through Thanksgiving with the teens, and did you interact with the other families? Or?
1: Oh, absolutely. The other families, uh, we came together as kind uh, of our natural support system, and and really stuck by each other. It,
3: it's a group of those who understand because they're they're living that same that same journey. Uh, we were very fortunate to have a large extended family that came together that first Thanksgiving, but oh it just um, it it was very, very tough actually um, most of the families were were out in the community and uh, you know a, a lot of times the, the first holiday you are surrounded by that support that that many find and, and we certainly did that the, the second holiday can be even more difficult. Mm -hmm. It's it's more isolating. So it's a tough journey. And for those who are grieving and and those who you know, remember them at every holiday and and just acknowledge the, uh, the tremendous grief that they're
4: feeling. And you had three. I didn't know you had three teenagers, Bonnie, at the time right that's a lot now we are always talking about the fact that you know sometimes people say i don't want to do the holiday i want to stay in bed i want to go under my pillow etc and just pretend it's not there and and it's hard when you have kids because you do have to go on and kind of have the holiday right
3: absolutely and you know we all got together and talked about what would what would be the right thing and the kids were part of that they came up with you know some of their own ideas on ways to get through this Thanksgiving, it was bringing family together and really remembering Tom's life. And, you know, part of that was even serving the foods that he would have really enjoyed.
4: Mm, and, I like that.
3: especially. And, and just remembering the life, you know, so often we focus on the moment and the circumstances of the death, but uh, it's, far more important to remember the years of the life and the blessing that we had to know this person and have them as part of who we are.
4: I like that. You know, we had a woman, Linda, was it Linda Goodman, Mom? Uh Uh-huh. Last week, and uh, she said you can set it, one thing that she suggested is you could set up a memory table in like the living room in the corner and put things that remind you and even have a book where people can sign it or talk about memories they have of that person. I loved that idea.
5: Linda Goldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a great idea that that doing some kind of a table out there. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, Bonnie. Is there different with the military? You know, there's been this Fort Hood tragedy. Was there a lot of uh, publicity around your husband around Tom's death? And is that an issue for families around the holidays?
3: You know, it is an issue for families. It certainly is, and there is a tremendous amount of media that accompanies the death in the military. But, you know, I think for each one of us, when our loved one dies, it does feel like you know, the center, just the center of the world. And uh, sometimes it's hard when that media goes away.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And,
3: and that's been challenging as well. But many of our families, as time goes on and, and through TAPS, we have opportunities to speak to the media, find it very healing to, to share their stories to talk about their loved one and the impact that they had on so many lives. So the media can be a bit of a mixed blessing.
4: Yeah, it sounds like it. And, you know, I, I've worked with the nine eleven families for eight years, and they said one of the things they love about having the media is you never want that person to be forgotten. And so when the media interviews them, it gives them another chance to talk about this person and who they were and what they meant to them.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, that, that's a big part of what we do through
5: TAPS is remembering the life. So with the Fort Hood tragedy, uh, how has that impacted TAPS? And, uh, I'm sure well, you've been very has well. an
3: office actually on Fort Hood, Texas. Wow. And the day of that terrible tragedy, we had an event, for families taking place, uh, there. And, uh, Again, in a mixed blessing way, we had the opportunity to immediately provide comfort and support and resources to families who had come together for a, a totally different purpose. And past has already connected with many of the families who were affected by the death of their loved one in that tragic shooting
5: and will continue to be there for families from here on out. Mm-hmm. Now, what will you be doing for Thanksgiving? Do you have anything, or the holidays? Do you have anything special that you do? Well, I'll be getting together with
3: family, and and a part of that is always uh, remembering Tom's life and, uh, you know, just doing little special things that, um, you know, kind of keep that memory alive forever.
5: Mm-hmm. Mom, they, we're going to take. Well, Bonnie, uh, I was wondering. I wanted you to talk a little bit because I know we have our audience out there who are newly bereaved. And uh, how was it getting through the first year uh, without Tom? How did how did that go? And for you? Well, one of the most important things was talking about it, getting getting
3: our family together and discussing how we were going to get through it, and and coming up with ways that that would be comforting and healing and one of those ways was to open up our home to have a family Thanksgiving dinner and invite folks who could share memories with us. And uh, Did you do that the
5: first year? Did you invite people in?
3: We did actually. It was very Thomas killed on November twelfth of that year, so it was very shortly after. And we'd had a lot of folks in and out of the home so kind of created this extended family with, uh, in the military, they have casualty officers and, and chaplains and others who become kind of instantly part of your extended family. And we included them in, in this holiday dinner, in this, this time of remembrance and coming together. You know, Thanksgiving is that time to, to show gratitude. And we were so grateful for having had this wonderful person in our
5: lives. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was a big part of our very first
1: Thanksgiving.
5: Did you have any pictures there? Remember, we had a picture of Scott, right, Heidi?
4: We had a lot of pictures, and they were fairly large, and we put him right at the head of the table.
5: Absolutely.
3: Pictures are such a wonderful part of remembering that person and the life that they lived.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In fact, we were laughing because he had the best spot. And we had a couple of people over. It was interesting how people reacted. Some people thought it was incredible. And at first, some people weren't really sure how we would respond. And when they saw that we were comfortable having his pictures there, they were fine with it.
5: So so tell us about your kids. You kind of had an unusual family, right? Well, we did.
3: We had a had a blended family with foster children and, and stepchildren. And, you know, they were just so grateful to have this wonderful, loving home and uh, this was a part of, you know, really drawing everyone even closer together. And uh, some of the other kids from the other families affected by uh, this this tragedy wound up coming over to our house, so we were sort of the central hub for teenagers. And it was just a, a house full of love and uh, very, very good memories. But mm-hmm. ways to remember that photographs are so important and, you know, setting that extra place and acknowledging the person's life is is just such a precious part.
4: Well, today. and Bonnie, I love that even though your husband had died, you still served his favorite food.
3: Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful way. A lot food. of our families in, um, in TAPS, you know, tell us stories about, you know, birthday celebrations and making a favorite birthday cake and... Uh, So those special memories really help keep that person so
5: close to us. It can be a pretty painful day uh, for people, too. I think think people have to be careful out there that you don't get too tired and maybe try to cook too much. And, you know, sometimes I get hardcore or, or used to about, you know, everything had to be homemade and that kind of thing. You may have to give up some of those ideas if you've got a tough year.
4: Well and, and also I've heard people say, you know, this is a day of thanks. This is Thanksgiving. I have nothing to be thankful for this year because my child or my brother or sister died or my husband. There's nothing to be thankful for.
5: Yeah, so this may be a day that you just get through too and, and one of those days uh that you remember it's just one day. So uh try to keep your, you know, self together and uh and let people know that you may have to leave the room or whatever. And if you have a, uh, uh, sometimes families tell us they have a problem because they wanted to talk about their child or their spouse or their uh, whoever, and nobody said anything when they went to Thanksgiving. And my suggestion to people is either do one of two things, either decide that you're going to have a little event before you go to the Thanksgiving dinner, light a candle or something or put a rose or, or or mention, you know, get the family together, just do it yourself prior to going out to, uh, to Thanksgiving dinner. Or if you've got a family member that you're particularly close to, talk to them and tell them that you would like to have maybe a little toast or something like that and let them do it so that you get what you need uh, from that and you, and you don't feel disappointed that people didn't notice or I I don't know. Don't you think we have to teach people how to treat us, Bonnie? Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Yes, I had um, one of the the, uh, most healing things. I I had a woman um, ask me about, you know, when I was really struggling with my grief. um, You know, she said, gosh, didn't your husband enrich your life? And I went, oh, my goodness, in so many ways, and just, you know, poured forth with all these amazing gifts he had given me. And then she looked at me and said, well, what are you going to do now with all those riches? Mm. And I just, that was kind of a turning point for me where I thought, gosh, that's right. He has blessed my life so much. Now, what can I do to bless that
5: now, how long uh, after Tom's death did you start TAPS? It was two years. So it was, it
3: was two years of really doing research and looking at other organizations to see what existed, finding out where the services and the uh, federal government and other organizations uh, ended and where there was a need for a new organization to come in. And there were... Four core service, the first month, actually, I was looking for an organization like CAPS and just sure that uh, there was or there had to be a national program for all those grieving the loss of a loved one in the armed forces already in existence. So um, it was a long journey to really explore what already existed, what other uh, services were offered by uh, the federal and state uh, government, and uh, what the need was. So um, over the course of two years, we uh, we developed this program and then had the uh, luxury of benchmarking the best practices of other organizations, other peer-based support programs.
5: Mm -hmm. And so, so you had some time to think about that. And you know, uh, Heidi and I often talk about part of the healing process is uh, giving to others and kind of moving out of yourself a little bit as you get get ready to do that. But for sure, the first person that you need to take care of is yourself, right, Hyde?
4: Absolutely. And I was wondering, with that said, Mom, Bonnie, were you feeling, were you motivated to do this because you were angry or really upset or, you know, disappointed in the lack of services? Was there some emotion that kind of drove you or, or not into doing this or no?
3: You know, it was really a labor of love. Okay. And uh, it was about bringing families together to, uh, to lean on each other, to provide support, and it was a real blessing. It, it was a, a, it's was it been a wonderful journey to, to get to know thousands of family members who are, who are walking this road, who share their loved one with us and become part of this wonderful extended family.
5: And one of the people that you have had this happen with is on the phone right now, I think. Are you on, Amy? Um. Hi, Amy. It's Amy Nyberger-Miller, and Amy is the Public Affairs Officer for TAPS, which is the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Amy, how did you meet Bonnie.
6: I actually met Bonnie about a month and a half after my brother was killed in Iraq in October of 2007. And um, what was his name? And, and his name's Christopher Christopher, Christopher. Nyberger.
5: Uh huh. And so you met her. How did it tell us about meeting her?
6: I actually heard about CAPS from our casualty assistance officer and wanted to connect with. An organization that would just let me talk with other people who would have the same type of loss. I, I really felt like I needed to connect and find a place of healing for myself. And who did you talk to first do you remember? And how was um, that for you? I think I first talked with uh, somebody from the survivor support staff on the phone and they put me in touch with another sister who, like me, had lost a younger brother. Um, Ironically, her brother is actually buried five rows behind mine at Arlington Uh. National Cemetery, and our families have a lot in common. And I found in my new friend someone who understood what I was through because here was somebody else who had also experienced this just a couple of years earlier.
4: Well, Amy, I love how they matched you. I mean, not only was it a similar loss, but you were similar. You were both women, girls that had lost their brothers and you were of similar age, and you could really relate in many ways. I'm sure,
6: yeah, I mean we're similar in age. It turns out our families had some other things in common, um and she was also an older sister, like I was. she mm-hmm. was the oldest, so Um, She could relate to a lot of things that I was going through as an older sibling.
4: It it is so true because I was an older sibling also. My younger brother died. And it's really strange to lose your younger brother because you just assume you're going to grow old together and that you'll die before them because they're your younger brother.
6: Yeah, I mean, I always thought that my brother would come home Mm -hmm. and that, you know, someday when my parents passed away, That my brothers would all be with me, that all four of us would be sitting there in a row together, comforting each other through that part of our lives. And to have my brother die so young, he was 22 years old, Mm -hmm. um, in a war was really hard. And it was something that I really needed help to deal with and needed the connection provided through to deal with.
5: What, what are our families going through that are having losses uh, in Iraq and uh, overseas in the military? What, what are some of the issues?
6: Well, these are traumatic losses. These are not losses that are anticipated, even though our loved ones are at war. Uh, we know that the medical care provided by the military is very good. And so getting that knock on the door saying that, your worst fear has happened um, is is a nightmare to a family. Um, And it's something that um, takes a long time to work through. Um, And because all of us thought our loved ones would come home. Um, I certainly believe that my brother would come home from Iraq. Um, And, you know, to have that happen is very shocking. And so I think for a lot of us, you know, the first year you're often in a bit of a fog, um, you kind of cope and get through it, um, but it is, it's is—it's a very hard thing to, to go through.
5: Yeah, I'm thinking, Bonnie, that it, it must be hard uh, for the families because, you know, if, if you have a family member, like Scott was killed in an automobile accident, I could immediately go to the funeral home or make arrangements or I knew how he died or I talked to the police, but how is that for families, Bonnie, when they don't know?
3: Oh, it's very difficult. It is very difficult. And that's one of the things that CAPS works hard to help and support families is, is getting information.
5: And, uh, yeah, I think that must be very. And then the waiting. How, how about the waiting, Amy, waiting for their body to come home? It must be hell.
6: Well, well I mean, they actually bring them home as quickly as they can. And, um, you know, they, the military does try very hard to communicate with the family about that process and how long that will take, and, um, you know, they do appoint an officer that helps guide the family through the process, and that person is very much a lifeline to helping assist the family through it. Yeah. I
5: was just thinking, uh, for both of you, and particularly for you, Amy, with your brother coming home from Iraq, it must have been, how did you feel about seeing President Obama there with the caskets? I mean, I was, you know, So it was heart-wrenching.
6: I felt very honored to see President Obama there, um, to see him there um, as the commander-in-chief. President Obama also recently visited Section 60 at Arlington National Cemetery on Veterans Day, which is where my brother is buried, along with more than 500 others who have given the ultimate sacrifice in service to our country in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I felt very honored that he went there to see them, um, to pay respects to them. I felt like it was a very respectful and and honorable thing to do.
5: That's a great thing because I I think he represented all of us, and that's how I felt, you know, as a nation, how we feel and and honored that, you know, people like your brother have given their lives. Bonnie, I'm just thinking you must be so – I don't want to say proud, but so satisfied when you meet people like Amy and see, you know, how how she's come through TAPS and what she's doing for TAPS now. Oh, I
3: am so proud of Amy and all that that she's done, and it, you know, it is our family. It's, it's all of us coming together to to help each other heal, and uh, it, you know, it um, this Thanksgiving, that's uh, that's what I'm certainly thankful for.
5: You know, and what Heidi and I talk about, um, how people go on to do amazing things after their losses, and and would you ever have thought that you would impact the lives that you're impacting now?
3: Well, I, I certainly recognize then that there was a tremendous need for our military family, and I'm just so grateful to be part of that journey. Mm-hmm.
5: And I'm and I'm also thinking though that that when people are feeling like there's no hope in the world, that to see people like you find hope, and and you and Amy, and do good for others as a result of this, it's it's a pretty amazing thing. Oh, well, thank you so much, and thank you for allowing us to share. Yeah. Well, Heidi, as a sibling, uh, siblings usually get ignored. What do you think about all this? Pretty amazing, huh?
4: Absolutely. I mean, I love everything that Amy's doing and that TAPS is doing, and I'm totally impressed that they've helped 25,000 people at least at the minimum. I'm thinking that's a really low number because whenever you help someone, it has a ripple effect, and it helps. We don't know how many people we're actually helping. I think you're helping far more than you can even measure um so i'm very impressed and of course i always love talking to siblings because you know i'm i'm struck by in both bonnie and amy's case the thing about it is these guys were very physically fit they were military they were in the prime of their lives both of them you just don't expect them to die you know you think that they're they're almost larger than life that you know you can't imagine that they would all of a sudden die very suddenly and i can certainly understand why it's traumatic i was totally you know shocked when my 17 year old brother died cause they're people that are in the prime of their life life health wise
5: absolutely well amy what are you up to this thanksgiving and do you remember anything about your first thanksgiving and do you
6: have any tips for
5: our folks out there
6: well my first thanksgiving after my brother died was 2 years ago and i found it very difficult to cook mm-hmm. um I associated anything involving food or cooking or preparing food for the holidays with the last time I saw my brother, which was at Christmas time the year before. And so I actually um, pretty much just had to, you know throw in the towel on cooking uh, for the first year. I didn't do any. <laughs> and um, I did actually cook a Christmas dinner last year, and I am cooking Thanksgiving dinner this year. Um, you know, and I think it's important to just realize where your triggers are. And for me, that was one of mine, you know, I just, I couldn't handle cooking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So so I found another way to still have the holiday and still take care of my family. Um, but we actually ended up going to a relative's house the first year
5: hmm which is a, a nice thing to do. Now, now, what did you do about your brother? Did people talk about him, or did you have anything special? Or
6: um, We actually went to the cemetery on Thanksgiving the first year, um, but we actually took, we're kind of in an unusual situation in that my father-in-law is also buried at the same cemetery. He was in the Marines, mm-hmm. and my stepchildren, their other grandfather is also at that cemetery. Um, And so we actually took a a large number of flowers and we said to the kids, we're going to go show we are thankful for all of these people that are part of our lives Mm. um, before we go to dinner. And so we stopped at the cemetery and basically put flowers for my brother, but also for both of their grandfathers and also their grandmother. And this Um, is in Arlington? Arlington at Arlington, although my my mother-in-law is actually at a different place. But, um, you know, and I think it helps our kids kind of understand what happened when I went to the cemetery and to see, you know, that there were lots of other families that were there, Mm
3: -hmm. that
6: we weren't the only people there doing this. We weren't crazy. Um, And... You know, it was a quick stop. It wasn't, you know, we didn't stay for hours, but it let me kind of feel like I had done my duty as his older sister to take care of him. Right. And and I think that's still really important to me because I'm still his older
4: sister. Well, well, that's it, Amy. That's what I was going to say. It also models for your children that even though. Your brother is dead. He is still a part of your life. And you still continue bonds with not only him, but your father-in-law and your grandfather and all these other people that have died. They're still in our hearts and in our memories and such a part of who we are today.
6: Mm -hmm. And for us, I think that was really an important thing to do the first year. We didn't do that the same way last year. Um, Usually what I did last year was I put up an old photograph of myself and my brother's when they were little at the holidays. And so I kind of am going to pick a different one this year and put that one out. Um, You know, just to kind of remember, here's all of us together uh, when we were all dressed up in old scrub suits from my dad's job and we were trying to take a Christmas photo and it's kind of silly and everybody's making funny faces and um, try to remember the things that are positive positive. About our lives and and some really wonderful memories that we share as a family.
4: Okay, on that um, note, really Amy, we are going to come. Up, we're coming up on break, and we'll talk.
5: Bonnie, you want to give us uh, how we get a hold of TAPS again? Yes, our uh, our phone number is eight hundred
3: nine five nine TAPS. That's eight hundred nine five nine eight two seven seven, and that's answered. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our website is taps.org and that's got some wonderful information about providing uh, support and comfort and care to those who are grieving the loss of a loved one serving in the armed forces.
5: And uh, they don't have to be on active duty uh, to work with your organization, do they?
3: Uh, absolutely. All are
5: welcome. All are welcome. And you have an online community, you have a crisis intervention, and you have, tell us about your camps.
3: We do uh, survivor seminars and good grief camps all over the country, and and we welcome uh, everybody who has been affected by a loss in the armed forces to come. It's a wonderful weekend of, of workshops and, and support groups and opportunities to connect with
5: others in, uh, in this newfound family. That's great. Well, we highly recommend that you go to TAPS, and also... Uh, Bonnie and uh, Amy have some wonderful articles for us also on the Open to Hope Foundation site. Well, Amy, uh, I wanted you to talk a little bit about the holidays and and some grief tips you might have for us.
6: Well, I think one thing that's important is to just be very aware of yourself and how you might react with things. It's important to just be gentle with yourself and realize that this may be a time that your emotions rise to the surface more easily. And it's okay if that happens, and just plan, you know, that you may need to be a little gentle with yourself for the next few weeks. Absolutely, these holidays
5: can be tough, and they just come on us. I was wondering, uh, with this Fort, uh, Fort Hood tragedy, and when these kinds of things come up, do do they are they reminders for you of some of the things that have happened to you over the last couple of years?
6: I think for a lot of our families, the Fort Hood tragedy definitely stirred a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings because this happened to these families when they thought their loved ones were safe at home in the United States on a military base. And for all of our families to think about the fact that there were 13 families getting that knock on the door that all of us received, Um, and because death notification the military does follow a very standard protocol we all knew what would happen and so there was an anticipation of that once we knew that people had died that I think really caused a lot of our families um, to experience some new trauma um, because of that um, we actually had a 200% increase in our call center volume wow, in Wow immediately increase? after Wow.
5: Yeah, I was thinking you probably uh, had more. Uh, Did you say 200?
6: We had about a 200% increase for our call center volume. Wow. Um, You know, which is a lot of folks who needed to talk to other survivors um, and talk through what they were seeing on TV and, you know, who had a lot of emotions stirred up Mm -hmm. because of the media coverage that happened.
5: But, well, Bonnie, what, uh, and Amy, either of you can take this, what are some of the major questions that people bring up when they call? Oh, go ahead, Amy, and, and
3: uh, because I know you've been um,
5: talking to a
6: lot. Well, of... well I think a, a lot of people who will call in, sometimes they will call because they just want to talk to another family member. There's somebody like me who has experienced a loss um, and is just reaching out they want
5: but they to want to know
4: that you made it and they can too right mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of something that i read in people bonnie and i'm going to i'm going to read it right now it's very short it says um, cuz as i said before bonnie's in the most recent edition of people magazine on page 77 and she says here recently bonnie took a 2 a m crisis hotline call from a woman whose husband was killed in afghanistan and who didn't know how she'd get through the night We talked about her husband and his extraordinary life, Bonnie says. By the end, she was laughing and crying. We need to take time to embrace the person who's struggling. I love that.
6: Many of the people who call us are seeking that embrace. Mm -hmm. From carrying arms that have walked a similar journey. Mm -hmm. That's what they're looking for. I like that. Carrying
5: arms that have uh, been through a similar journey, walked a similar journey. That's great. Well, let me um, ask both of you, do you have uh, any last parting shots for people uh, regarding, I don't know, parting shots probably is not a good analogy at this show, but any thoughts for people on getting through the holidays? Do you want to start, Bonnie, with any advice you've got?
3: Well, the theme of our program at TAPS is remember the love, celebrate the life, and share the journey. I think that's what we're about. It's... uh, remembering uh, far more than, than the tragic moment of the death. Remember the years of the life and how blessed we are to have had that wonderful
5: person in our life.
4: Mm, I like that.
5: I like it too. And how would you do that in remembering? You might write something about them, a poem or something this holiday or light a candle. or Do you have any any suggestions like that for folks?
3: oh absolutely and and having having a favorite picture out or cooking a favorite food or maybe going to a a favorite place and talking about the person i think that's that's okay a lot of folks um may not want to to bring up um you know what they think is a painful memory when in fact
5: those memories are precious mhm And, Amy, what are your thoughts for folks?
6: Well, I think it's important to not be afraid of some change, that you may need to change some of your holiday traditions if they're painful to you. That certainly was the case with our family. We had to make some changes. We kept some things that were really important to us and other things we we had to forego and and just understand that that, that's okay.
5: Yeah, what were some of the things you
6: changed? Um, The first year we pretty much kept everything the same, and it was very painful. My family has a very prescribed tradition on Christmas Eve day um, of activities and things that we would do. And so the second year, um, my entire family basically departed from what they had done for the last 20 years and instead came to my house um, and spent a week with me um, in Washington, D.C., and and we just did a lot of different things around the city and tried to make it a special time together as a family, um, but it was different from what we had done before. Uh,
5: and so uh, Christopher uh, wasn't from the Washington, D.C.
6: area? No, my family, family actually uh, lives several states away. Yeah, because I know, uh...